Welcome to Writer's Digest Presents. Hosted by the editors of Writer's Digest, this monthly podcast features conversations with writing and publishing experts whose insights will help ignite your creative vision, hone your skills, build your platform, and get your work out into the world. Welcome to Writer's Digest Presents. I'm Editor-in-Chief Amy Jones, alongside Senior Editor Robert Lee Brewer and Editor Michael Woodson. Today we have a special guest with us, Writer's Digest University Content Director Sarah Hall. February is the time of year when romance has its heyday, so it seems fitting that for this month, this month's podcast we focus on romance novels. Hey everyone, how are Hello. you? Hello. Pretty good. Good. So I wonder. I want to start off with sort of an easy question. What maybe an easy question? What's your relationship with romance novels? Have you always read them? Have you come to them recently? Are you still discovering them? Uh, well, for me, I'll go ahead and jump in. Thank you so much for having me on today. Um, I started reading romance when I was about twelve years old, uh, stealing it off of my mom's bookshelf. Uh, which she, I'm sure, did not know about. <laughs> and um, this would have been in the 90s. So it was very like classic, lots of like princesses and knights who need to protect them. And I loved it immediately. Um, and I definitely read everything that she had. And I remember getting them from the library. And then for several years, I kind of fell out of reading them because my tastes were starting to change. And I didn't feel like what was being published was really to my liking anymore. So for several years, I kind of scratched that itch in the fan fiction community. I read a lot of fan fiction, felt like it mm. was more like what I was enjoying. But then um, probably within the past five years or so, I found myself coming back to the traditionally published uh, world and finding that what was being offered was much more to what I wanted to be reading than it was in the 90s. The, the industry has changed so much. And so since then, I've kind of rediscovered a love for um, published original work. Yeah. And uh, for me, uh, my relationship with romance, I, I would say that I'm just somebody like tests the waters every once in a while and I'll read a romance novel if something's like kind of blowing up. And I do this with mm. all genres of fiction. If something really starts to blow up, I'll I'll just read it just to get an understanding for what what's what's this thing that everyone is very excited about and and is reading and, and I just want to kind of understand. So maybe the most recent one that I read was um the was it the duke and i with the the bridgerton series yeah. when when mm -hmm. that started to kind of take up take off on netflix i guess a year or two ago um i've done like like i know like i've read like bridget jones diary like a long time ago when that was like kind of blowing up same thing um but as far as romance is funny like i started thinking about it i've been surrounded by it ever since i was uh, a little kid because my grandmother like in her basement where we would all hang out like the rec room she had like this really cool shelf that went all the way around the room and every single uh, it was just lined with paperbacks and every single one was either a western novel or a romance novel and like the old school <laughs> like harlequin mm -hmm. uh like white cover uh paperbacks and i just remember you know always being surrounded by it uh and of course like you know as a kid like you hang out with your grandparents and and you just be like sitting there and like read like you know 15 pages or 20 pages <laughs> of a random western or romance uh just because you don't have anything else to do and uh so so like in, in a certain way like i've always been surrounded by it's been a big part of uh growing up and, and reading uh in that way Oh, yeah, I um, don't know. I I have not read much romance at all. I um, And I think it's because, like, it just completely was not on my radar growing up or what I was choosing to read growing up. And then, um, Sarah, I think you said it really well. Like, the last five years especially, romance has really taken off um, in a mainstream way in terms of um, the publishing world. To the point where I, once it was happening, I realized like if I missed, I think I've missed something because people are obviously really hungry for this genre. It can't have just come out of nowhere. It's not like 
a dystopian YA novel blows up and then everyone tries to write dystopian YA novels. It's like, no, romance has been around for a while and and that um, energy around it is just like um, more uh, uh, front facing. So I didn't really read any growing up, which is weird because I love rom-com movies, rom-com shows, romance. But in my reading life, it just never occurred to me to read them. I've read um, Jane Austen, of course, and I've read a couple. Like the last one I read was... Um, Get a Life, Chloe Brown, and uh, Crazy Rich Asians. I read Crazy Rich Asians, but I really am not well-versed in romance novels, which is why I'm genuinely really excited for this conversation because I want to be part of the conversation and I and I just get, I'm a little overwhelmed with like where to start because there are, are so many romance novels um, right now. And it just feels like every single one, people are like, you got to read this one. You got to read this one. I'm just like... All right, just I'm just gonna be buried in this because like I don't know where to start. That's so interesting because I I also grew up loving rom com movies. Like Sarah, my mom had a bookshelf that was full of romance novels. It was like Nora Roberts and Danielle Steele, and I don't remember ever taking them, um, but I do remember for um, a spring break trip that I went on with my mom and my friend and her mom. Um, my mom wasn't thrilled with my choice of reading material for the oh, beach. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was trying to take um, like a Russian novel, like Anna mm-hmm. Karenina. And mom thought that was not quality beach material. So we stopped at the Target on the way to the airport. And I picked out a romance novel. And I believe it was a Nora Roberts something to do with like a winery in California, if I recall. Um, And then I didn't really read much romance after that until I I don't know how I started on British romances, like contemporary Mm -hmm. British romances where some of them have, um, they're like the same author writing under different names. So the Mm -hmm. stories are like slightly different, but they're still romance. I guess some of them are women's fiction and some of them are romance. Um, and then I just, I completely stopped reading romance for years. They were, I don't know, I guess making me feel bad about my life. Because, um, <laughs> I don't know, there was like no romance in my personal life. And I like, even I couldn't, I couldn't live vicariously through it because it was just making me sad. Um, but a couple of years ago, I don't know how I got onto it, but um, I picked up Jasmine Guillory's first romance novel. Um, <laughs> it's The Wedding Date. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it set off basically like a firestorm. And I (laughs) have been reading romance novels like religiously ever since. And I can't get enough historical romances, contemporary romances, um, just you name it. I like to read it. It's kind of become a problem. (laughs) (laughs) No, but a good problem. problem. (laughs) Sarah and I were talking about this a little bit before, but, you know, romance readers read so much that having them as physical books can be an actual problem Problem. in terms of like storage space. So it's no wonder that so many romance readers read on e-readers. Yeah, I I never thought about it, but yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, So our upcoming... March-April issue of the magazine is all about exploring genre writing, and one of the author um, articles talks about satisfying readers by giving them what they want and expect from a, the particular genre that you're writing. And then another article, I think it was in January, February, talked about why readers love genre-related tropes, and that a lot of it was to do with knowing the outcome and the certainty of what you're going to get from that book. And so this ties into my next question, which is why do you think readers love romance novels so much? Well, it's hard to speak for everyone, but for myself, uh, romance has such a quality of comfort to it. And some of it is what you said about knowing what's coming. You know, it's not going to surprise you with a sudden major character death um, out of nowhere, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, 
but I think for me, some of that is because it has such a power to direct my emotions. If in my real life, I'm having a difficult emotional time or I'm just upset or having a bad day, I don't think there's anything else that can more quickly redirect my emotional state to something more pleasurable. It just has that power, a really well-written romance to suddenly whatever's going on in the real world just goes away. And I'm pulled into emotionally centering on what's happening with the, this the story and these characters. And it's very immediate. Uh, whereas something like if I'm reading a big fantasy mm -hmm. novel, I might have to read a hundred pages to get really pulled out of the real world and into it. But in a romance, it's just, it's almost instantaneous for me. And so it, it almost is something that I could reach for in, in the little in between places in my life, just as a little pick me up. And I think a lot of people do use it that way. You know, if you're standing in line and you have it on your phone and suddenly your day is a little bit better. And mm -hmm. I think that can really be something that becomes just kind of a lifelong habit. Yeah, I think for me, um, romances are sort of like a cozy mystery where you've got like this safety net under you that you know that anything can happen between the beginning and the end of the novel. But at the end, you're either going to have the suspect will be known, like who the murderer was. Exactly. And a cozy mystery in a romance, you know that the two main protagonists are going to end up together and they're going to be either happy or at least like cautiously optimistic together as they head off into the sunset. And there's something very nice about being able to read something and know that while anything can happen in the middle of the book, like, you know, that at, at the end, it's all going to come together. And, uh, and that's really nice and, and comforting to know. Unlike does, real life. <laughs> yes. Totally. It does kind of feel like the epitome of, of that saying that it's about the journey, not the destination, because you know the destination. You always know mm -hmm. it. It's going to at least happy for mm -hmm. now, if not happy ever after. But what matters is how they get there. And I completely agree mm -hmm. with you. There's something that's, especially when real life can be so uncertain, <laughs> something nice about that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it's... Uh... Yeah, I think it's like two things. One, the comfort in the structure that any genre, but in this case, romance offers. And that kind of what you were saying earlier, Amy, just like the endless amount of options within the genre. It's not, uh, I don't feel like it's, anyone can really say if romance isn't for them because there are so many, if, if historical fiction is for you, there is historical romance. If there is, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? So it's mm -hmm. it's not, there's just such a broad range of choices within romance. And then, yeah, the journey, it, uh, I can, we were just talking about this with another genre, my husband and I, but how um, with romance, yeah, like picking it up, I know that they're going to be together in the end. A murder mystery, like you said, Robert, I know they're going to solve it in the end. It's just a matter of, did I enjoy the experience of getting there or not? And uh, that clicked with me very, very recently because um, the first time I started reading romance, I was kind of just waiting for, I don't know, maybe like the contemporary fiction or literary fiction or magical realism part of my brain. Because those are like the mm -hmm. kinds of books I tend to go to. I was waiting for something and then um, it didn't happen. But like that wasn't, I was like, oh, oh, this is just, this is just delightful. Okay. Like. Now I can get on board <laughs> and understand it better. And then hearing people who are way more, have way more knowledge of this than I do, tell me like, that's the point is, is, um, is the calm that it, that it offers has helped me help wrap my brain around it a little bit more. Yeah. I think that kind of um, the, what you were saying about the journey, you know, we know where we're ending up, but it's the journey, the in-between part that, um, that makes the story compelling and interesting. That's why, I mean, that's part of why I love it because yeah. I want to see what kind of obstacles are these people going to overcome. And often they're, you know, the romance novels that I've been reading, they're legitimate obstacles. Like mm -hmm. how are, I'm trying to think in real life, how are you going to make this work? And, you know, somehow they do, they go to great lengths to make it work, but it, um, you know, it makes it, it makes real life feel not quite so um, harsh. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got these 
real life situations in your own life that, you know, can present challenges, but just you'll find a romance novel that will show you, like demonstrate how people have made this work, even if it is in a fictional world. Um, but also I think that journey, that in-between is what I appreciate so much about romance writers mm. is the their ability to keep us reading even though we know the ending totally that's hard um yeah right yes (laughs) Yes, like i I can't think of like i mean yeah how do they how do they do that and for me i think it's the tension you know they um Mm -hmm. i think romance writers are just brilliant at writing tension um because well there's the sexual tension of whatever romance there's going on but then they have these ways of of building in, like I said, those obstacles that are, how are they going to figure it out? Who is this accidental other love interest? And are they going to, you know, get in the way? Then they figure it out. I don't want to say too much because this is coming up in a, um, in an, in a article, but kind of what you're saying reminds me of something that an author recently said to me, which was that um, it's hard to write a good romance novel and even bad romance novels are so carefully constructed because it's it's a form that is really unforgiving and that mm-hmm. flaws show themselves a lot easier in romance novels because there's just nowhere to hide. And I think um, people have a weird sense that romance novel, writing romance novel maybe is is easier because there is a formula or a structure that you can follow, but keeping... Uh, readers engaged is like has to be the hardest part mm-hmm. absolutely yeah I think one thing that's really unique to the uh to the romance genre is uh I think comparing it to a cozy mystery will help make this point um when you're reading a romance mm-hmm. you want to emotionally experience the journey the characters are on as they go through it. So when you're reading a a mystery, you're not necessarily thinking, oh, I really want to feel what it's like to be investigating this murder. Maybe you do, but I don't. Um, But in a romance, (laughs) you don't always want to just feel the happiness of the ending. You want to feel, what does it feel like to have, you know, be in this new relationship and not really know what the other person thinks yet? Like, give me that emotional Mm -hmm. experience. You, you know, you, you have to, it's like you said, they're so carefully constructed. That emotional journey has to be so mm-hmm. meticulously ordered or it's not going to feel genuine, you know? And um, I think that's something that's just so particularly unique about it. Like you, it, it is, it mm-hmm. all builds on every single emotional shift and uh, you have to go through every step. In the fan fiction world, we would call this like a slow burn, right? You can't skip to the mm-hmm. feeling of happiness at the end. You have to build it piece by mm-hmm. piece. And that's something I hugely admire of any romance author. Yeah. Well, so that is another, you bring up the topic of, you know, what are these characters experiencing? And um, I've kind of seen a divide lately in readers who like romance novels that alternate perspectives between the two main Mm -hmm. characters and those that stick, those readers who prefer that we stick with one character's point of view for the entire romance novel and i wonder if you have a preference and why so i, I definitely uh, well, have a preference. well for, for I me um, I read enough. <laughs> uh it really just depends on the story um for me it's it's a question like that rarely sure. has like a black and white answer um it's all about the execution sometimes i'd really prefer to stay in one character's point of view because it leaves an air of mystery of like oh what are they thinking and you as the reader don't know either as opposed to you're in both characters' points of view, and you actually know more than anyone in the story because you're in both their heads. Um, I will say one of my favorite experiences is when I'm listening to a book on audio and they cast two different people as the two different points of view. I really enjoy that. It brings kind of another level of realism to the story, especially if the writer is is writing them in very different voices. Um, I think that can be really fun. Yeah, I, I think that either way can be executed well. Um, I tend to favor like the one perspective for the same reason Sarah mentioned with this air of mystery of like, I know how this person feels, but how does the other person like, like what, what's their motivation? What's, what's their intention? And usually, you know, there's maybe a couple 
suitors involved and you're not sure which ones well sometimes you know which one they're going to actually end <laughs> up with but uh, you know uh trying trying to parse through like you know what was the motivation for for mm -hmm. these other characters um however like sometimes that like knowing that other perspective is helpful like in a hitchcockian type of way like in the thing i love about a lot of hitchcock films is that halfway through the film you know the kind of twist and then it's a matter of sure like you, you know the two the two motivations it's a matter of how do we get to the finish and how do we get to it in a way that's uh satisfying as well so so sometimes like that can be uh, a nice thing about having the the two different perspectives is okay i know how this person feels i know how that person feels there's this obstacle how are they gonna you know get around it yeah i think yeah even almost like gone girl too like figuring out here, getting her perspective when you get her perspective is so exciting in Gone Girl. Um, with romance, I've I, with what I've read, I think I prefer um, one perspective. But again, I agree with what everyone's saying is that it really just comes down to like the execution of it. If someone did two or three perspectives well, like I don't think I would even question it. But I think that particularly with romance, let's say Pride and Prejudice. I can't imagine that book being as effective knowing Darcy's perspective because the point is that there's endless miscommunication happening. And that is part of the tension that we've been talking about with what makes romance so good. So I do just think um, if the story itself uh, suggests that it would make it stronger, then um, like I'm all for it. But I've, I, in my habitual life, I, th I think I prefer um, one, one perspective. Yeah, I, I do think that, um, like what you said, when there's a story that like centers around miscommunication, if you are getting both perspectives, it's almost frustrating because you're like, just talk, just talk to each other and this is fine. You know, um, yes. oh, it yes. almost <laughs> makes it worse. It okay, but that's why... <laughs> That's why I love the two perspective <laughs> romance novels, because I when you see that like the the miscommunication, yeah, when you see the yeah. miscommunication and you understand why the like the thought process of the person who is, you know, whichever person is speaking or whichever mm -hmm. point of view we're we're getting, um, when you understand why they aren't responding or yeah. talking to the person or why they back off and stop communicating or whatever it is. Um, I love knowing their motivations behind yeah, that. What is that called? Is that dramatic irony? Maybe like we are in on it and they aren't. Know. Maybe. Anyway. I don't, well, I, I, <laughs> I don't have, have my literature book here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is not a romance novel, but it is, well, I don't know. Maybe is there such a thing as a literary romance novel? Because you saying that there is a book with the most heartbreaking dual perspective tension that I've read in a long time, which was in Normal People. In the moment, I, I don't know if everyone's read it, so I won't say too much, but there's a moment where one character uh, doesn't know, obviously, that they're miscommunicating and believes that this is why the relationship has ended. And this person had no intention of the relationship ending thinking that this person ended the relationship and it like results in just a truly like heartbreaking situation that felt too, 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 too real mm -hmm. and very effective. Cause like I could sense what they were both thinking. Um, and maybe cause I was so third person omniscient that like that helped cause I wasn't getting like how they felt in the visceral sense, just more like literally this is how they felt. Um, so I don't know. It is complicated. Again, maybe it's just down to like if how how the author decides to do it. It's an interesting question. What you bring up is is there such a thing as like literary romance? And I I would say some books would certainly count for that. But but it is that question of there is a difference between a romance novel and a novel with a romance in it that doesn't have to adhere totally. to the same strictures. Like um, when I was preparing yes, for this for this podcast today, um, I was looking through some of my favorite romances. And one of the authors I came up with who I love so much is Sarah Waters. But I can't call her uh, most of her work 
romance novels because they don't necessarily mm. have happy endings, which is yeah. right. It, that's just going to disqualify them. A they hallmark. have great romantic yeah. content, <laughs> but they don't follow that structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's it's what I see on Twitter, on book Twitter, publishing Twitter, almost on a daily basis is there is a difference between a book that is a romance that has the happily ever after or mm-hmm. the happy for now and the book that has, um, yeah, a storyline that has romance elements to it. Um, but they are, he said, two two different things. Um, but, uh, now I, I really want to think about literary romance novels. Okay. May like, I say I, I'm try- Yeah. My favorite ever, my favorite book of all time, Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff, is a rom- is a book about mm. a romance, but it is not a romance novel. I mean, it is heartbreaking and um, uh, wild, but that it keeps coming to my mind because we read it for a book club and um, my friend who suggested it read it in her description. I thought it was a romance novel. So I was like, th- my point being that that's how close yet different they can be like mm-hmm. on paper this yeah this would be a romance novel but then in practice it, it isn't because of what sarah said like there are rules in place when writing mm-hmm. a romance novel mm-hmm. that like if you don't do them then it just disqualifies you as a romance novel that one just immediately came to my head another one was there and it's gone i don't remember what it was. <laughs> it's not just about the ending there's more there's more to this because sure. i think the the other element is that to qualify as a romance, it has to center that relationship as the most important thing. There are some great romantic storylines, subplots, elements in other works, but if it is not the core of that story, it's not a romance. It it can't be, you know, that, mm-hmm. um, and I think that affects so many of the other things that cha- that shift changes so much about like your writing style and how much time you dedicate to each piece of the story, how much time gets devoted to the character development versus the plot, for example, is just different. Um, and I think it's something that it's kind of like when you read a lot of romance, you know, when you see it, <laughs> um, totally, you yeah. just get very accustomed <laughs> to those conventions, um, which I think maybe mm-hmm. sometimes for someone like you, who's, who's kind of newer to reading them can sometimes be a little, uh, it takes a little bit of an adjustment because it's not necessarily what you're accustomed to seeing in most other mm-hmm. genres. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And uh, this isn't a, a literary reference, but like The Nightmare Before Christmas, like I think oh. that's like got such a good love story between uh, Jack and Sally. But like, it's not a romance. It's it's about Jack finding himself and and all that, even though like they end up happily together and, and all that stuff. Like it's, uh, you know, if a book did the same thing, it, it it wouldn't be a romance. It, it would be more of a uh, finding yourself type of mm-hmm. novel, I guess, or story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, th- I got a, an advanced copy of a book a few years ago on NetGalley, and it was billed as a romance. And so I read it going into it thinking I, like, I'm going to get a happy ending. And I got like my little my progression at the bottom of my e-reader was getting very very close to the end oh, no. and there was still like no sign of a happy ending and I was like I, I don't know how they're gonna pull this off and sure enough like it was not there wow. was no happy ending it was not a romance novel and I thought boy this like this is not going to go well for the author if yeah. you know sometimes sometimes publishers choose a classification for a book um, then it, the author would maybe choose something different. So I mm. used the little comment section on NetGalley and I said, well, this is not a romance. <laughs> if this had been billed as like women's fiction or contemporary fiction, I probably would have given it five stars. Wow. But because it was billed as a romance, I really wanted to give it like two stars. <laughs> wow. That <laughs> because is... I could, but it was frustrating. And I thought I think that's like, significant. The publisher needs to know that when they are presenting something as a romance, romance readers are going to expect a certain kind of ending. And when it's mm-hmm. not there, and sure enough, I mean, I, f- 
felt so bad for the author afterward because they did not change the classification of it. And like, I mean, I know Goodreads is a hellhole for author (laughs) reviews, but um, it, it was not pretty. And almost all of the negative reviews are about like, this is not a romance. I thought I was going to, I thought I was in for one thing and this is not that. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody likes uh, it. Well, I mean, going. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Going back to the safety net metaphor, like they took away the net and everyone hit the ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I am not against reading a sad story. I love a sad story that oh, yeah. breaks my heart, but mm-hmm. I have to oh, yeah. know that. I have to know that's a possibility going in right. or I'm going to feel tricked. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because again, if you're reading a romance because you want to you know, change your mood and have that little bit of joy mm-hmm. in, you know, in a world that's kind of falling apart sometimes, some days, and you don't get that. That's not fun. That is not fun. <laughs> Has anyone read How to Find Love in a Bookshop? Mm-mm. No, I don't think so. That, I just forgot. And that's one of my favorite books I've read in the last several years. And you saying like in this you know, broker world we live in, that was like the minute shutdowns started to happen. Um, I had that book. I, I had gotten it as a gift and the cover is so lovely and i was like how to find love at a bookshop no idea what this is about but i have to imagine that i will feel okay for a little while and it was so good that um again like i didn't i i'm i forget that these things exist exclusive not exclusively but like kind of have to exist within romance novels and i am very used to reading side books sarah exclusively which is like <laughs> a problem and i was it again waiting for like the sad thing? But there were sad, there were sad things in it, and then it ended so happily, but not in a way that actually didn't feel possible or, or um, intangible. It was just lovely. Sorry, little wreck, real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the other, um, you know, prevalent characteristics of romance novels are, you know, the tropes. Um, romance tropes are. There, there are just so many of them, you know, um, pretend dating or enemies to lovers. Those are, I mean, just literally two of Countless. tons of them. Are there any that you find personally compelling or um, that you have seen more prevalent in contemporary in new releases than others? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I, I tend to read... Um, kind of not in order. (laughs) So I don't know if I can talk about um, recent tropes, but I can talk about tropes as a whole. Um, I tend to really love stories about first times and self-discovery. So I'm less interested in stories that are kind of rehashing something that's already happened, like the idea of getting back with an ex. I'm like, "Eh, well, you already did that. I don't really care. Um, But if it's if it's something uh, where someone is trying a, a particular type of relationship or a type of kink or something of that mm. nature for the first time, that's really appealing to me. I do love a lot of conflict in my stories. So something like Enemies to Lovers is right up my alley. Um, and I also really tend to prefer something that's like higher stakes than something more on the fluffy side. I have mm. a lot of friends who really just love and someone works in a coffee shop and somebody walks in and it's just a really sweet little fluffy piece. And I think that's wonderful. And I'm glad that brings people joy for me. That's not, that's not what I want. I want something that is more high stakes than that. Um, So uh, a situation where there's going to be maybe serious consequences if this goes poorly, I know it's not going to, but I want the possibility to be there for the characters. So that's kind of, uh, where I, where I land on a lot of the tropes. Really, a first time will get me every time. <laughs> That's so funny because <laughs> I had no idea that our tastes were so opposite in this. <laughs> because one of my favorite tropes is second chance romances, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> where you know they, which you know, might be part of my life situation, like where you date somebody in high school or you know each other when you're really young, and then you know you go to college life gets in the way whatever and you reconnect decades later um i really like those kind of 
romances and um, enemies to lovers is, is another one of my favorites. I think that what you said about the high stakes is really interesting too, because I do love a good um, like uh, romance with some political elements Mm -hmm. to it. Or um, Selena Montgomery is a good one uh, who is actually Stacey Abrams, but her romance novels from years ago, they're re-releasing them. And one is like, I think rules of engagement. I'll have to double check and put the real, the actual title in the show notes. But um, you know, they're two, spies they're two government spies but the main the main story is them falling in love mm-hmm. but there's a whole world of really high stakes of them trying to survive in a you know spy situation i like that too mm-hmm. yeah i'm not sure if i have like a specific trope that that i lean towards so maybe this is just like not reading as much in in the genre so like everything still feels kind of new and and different for me Mm -hmm. with it but but i do like when there are a lot of hurdles um throughout like i don't i don't like a a romance where everything's just really easy and um, like i know they're going to end up together but i want there to be conflicts that come up whether that's like an external or internal conflict uh with different characters where they're uh you know where it really feels like they they might not end up together even though i know they are going to end Mm -hmm. up together um and then another thing and I, i don't think this is a trope but i do like and this is even whether it's in books or even just in um uh, TV and, and movies is I'm seeing more and more better modeling of behavior mm-hmm. and romances where, where people are um, especially as, as far as it goes with like consent and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there, there was so much bad modeling and, and I like seeing like the, the good modeling just because uh there are so many younger people that that read this stuff and and it's kind of like an instruction manual in a mm-hmm. way like how to act with with people what what's what's acceptable and and all that and maybe this is also me as a parent like i like seeing that stuff <laughs> like <Sure. laughs> that uh uh there's there's better modeling out there and um Hopefully that just makes better human beings mm-hmm. <laughs> moving mm-hmm. forward, uh, more thoughtful human beings. Mm-hmm. So, Well, yeah. I mean, as you, a lot of us, our first uh, um, experience reading romance was as kids grabbing them off the shelves, like unbeknownst to most people. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that um, uh, a more clear consent in romance novels today is just not just good, but just important. Um, with, I don't, I honestly am not, again, I don't know a lot about romance novels and all of the many tropes that there are. I know that I like, um, friends to lovers a lot. I have a hard time actually with enemies to love. I think, okay, well, I'll say I have a hard time with contemporary enemies to lovers because these people in these books are so mean to each other mm. that like, <laughs> I'm just like, you kids should not be together. You are mean people. <laughs> And you need to find someone who you're not mean to. And then at the end, I'm like, I actually don't care that you guys are telling me you love each other. And like, I'm glad you kiss well. But like, no, you guys are mean to each other. You're mean to each other for 300 pages. Um, but I think that, I think, I don't know. I, I, I would be interested in learning more about them. Because right now, I would say like Friends to Lovers is my is my favorite. Um, and that's it. I do want to speak a little bit to Robert's point on the behavior modeling, because this is something I feel pretty strongly about. I think there is absolutely a place for messed up, toxic, you know, problematic relationships to be represented and and problematic behavior to be represented in these novels, because everybody, you know, everybody's tastes are different and I definitely know that I sometimes really enjoy reading that someone who's like, wow, you really shouldn't act like that. But boy, was it entertaining to read. However, 
I think the big difference between the books I was reading like in the 90s and the books I'm reading now, back then you would see some really reprehensible behavior and then they would fall in love and that it was just kind of all forgiven and hand waved away. Now, if I see that yeah. in a book, I want it to be acknowledged that that was bad or not ideal, you know, put mm -hmm. it in there. People don't always act correctly or perfectly, but like maybe then after you fall in love, have a conversation about like, wow, you really shouldn't have done that. And I'm mad at you about it and don't do it again. You know what I mean? So maybe that's a little bit of a fine line, but I, th I really think there is kind of room for, you know, the darker, the, the more problematic content. It just depends on how you handle it. Um, because as you said, you know, people, some people, especially younger people, they are coming to this like an instruction manual, even if they shouldn't, it's going to happen. And so I just think having that acknowledgement in there um, is what really makes the difference compared to how it used to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good point because it's like any type of novel, like you're going to have people doing bad things and but it's more about or or saying saying bad things but it's different if if you have them say bad things and it's like kind of considered oh that's okay versus mm -hmm. like somebody calling them out or you know whatever and, and uh you know and it's also possible that, that maybe the bad things happen and they're not called out but because of the world they're in everyone knows that it's bad. Like mm -hmm. it's bad because of all the other bad stuff that is happening around them. Uh, yeah. So I, I think that is a good, a good distinction as well. Definitely. Yeah. That's really, that's, um, I don't know. I feel like there could be a whole conversation just about that. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, cause especially cause in terms of like, I know even like, um, like the BDSM community has a lot of issues with certain romance novels because it doesn't reflect accurately what it means to be into that. And it's uh, particular books that happen to be very big. And um, I had never thought about that because that's not something that's on my radar. And when I started seeing news about that, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, like, there is more to this than just, it's, it's, it's important to um, take time on the nuances of these things, if you're choosing to write about them. And if you're choosing to put them in your books, then make sure that there is a, it exists in a world where we know that this is bad, if it's bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I fully agree. I think in romance, it's just as important as in any other genre. If you're going to write about something, you better know what you're writing about. You should do your research. You should talk to people who are in that community. You should, you know, it, I would fully agree with you that there are certain prominent examples that are just straight up incorrect in in what they present. And um, I think that it, it does a disservice to the genre to treat that research step with any less sure. seriousness than anything else. Mm -hmm. I like that idea of research and it being just as important here. Um, so with that in mind, what can writers of other genres take away from um, writers of romance novels or from their own reading of romance novels? And Michael, you touched on this a little bit with um, the interview that you didn't name, <laughs> where the, the author, um, I believe, like writes literary, contemporary yeah. literary fiction, but sees how hard it is to write a romance novel and the the skill that goes into doing it well mm -hmm. um so I, I do think that there's a lot that writers in other genres can learn from romance writers well, what do you think? i think it's we hear this all the time in our author spotlight series and, and across like a lot of interviews interviews we do is advice people have for other writers is to read outside your genre and it's like um, that's that is a number one piece of advice for a reason, and it's because you learn so much from other genres that just help you. Like, I one of my favorite things about romance novels is that 
Um, they're so dialogue driven and the dialogue is so good. And I am very insecure about my dialogue and I don't write romance and I don't have an interest in writing romance, but I've learned so much about writing dialogue uh, well to put onto my like contemporary short stories um, that I don't know if I would have gotten if I had just stuck to my like favorite genres to read. Um, yeah. And in that interview, I had never even thought about it in terms of like, these are romance novelists are are mastering the the craft of plot and structure um and if you are stuck in how, where to move your uh, story in any direction like then read romance like there is a a b c uh act one act two act three that you can really see and study and then just put upon your own story um in a way that is authentic to what you're trying to do i have a couple points on this thought of uh, what other authors can take away from romance. One is more academic and one not so much. So (laughs) excuse my wordiness. Um, I I think on the more academic side, uh, romance is where you can find the greatest writing that has to do with uh, character interiority. Because in romance, the most important thing that's happening is what is happening within your characters, in their thoughts and their feelings. Because as much as things are happening in the external world, people are taking actions and talking to each other. What matters is those tiny nuanced shifts in feeling. And obviously any well-written character is going to have a rich internal life, but I think romance does it the best because it's the most important. You know, if those feelings don't shift the right way, you're not going to make it to that happy ending. And so I think that for writers of other genres, even if you couldn't care less about romance, to see the way romance writers write the interior of their characters inside their heads is really helpful i think from a craft perspective um it's just so much more prioritized than than the external world and then my second point this is my hot take for this podcast romance writers write the only good sex scenes period because they are the only ones who practice them and if you are a romance writer and you read other fiction and you run into a sex scene, it is always going to be worse than what you are used to reading because other authors don't practice it. It is its own skill with its own conventions and its own craft. And if you and I think what happens a lot of times, even in writers I hugely admire, this isn't their specialty and they get to a point where like, I'm going to write some characters having sex and they don't know what they're doing. And it's distinctly lower quality than the rest of their work. So if that's something you'd like to include in your work, maybe you should pick up some romance and just see what they're doing because these are the people that have perfected it. And it's, again, just as worthy of your time and energy to improve your craft in that area as any other area. So that's my hot take. (laughs) I love it. I I totally agree with that hot take, Sarah. Yeah. Um, I, I can't tell you how many like stories I've read in other genres where like they get to the like sex scene and I wish that they just said, well, then they closed Please. the door and did mm-hmm. their thing. Yeah. Because, just skip it. because what I read for the sex scene, is like, is this even, <laughs> this doesn't even like physically sound like, you know, just where yep. stuff's like, um, <laughs> you're, you're killing, you're killing the story right now. <laughs> Because now I'm thinking about this instead of what, you know, what I'm reading. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, totally, totally on board with that hot take, <laughs> for sure. Um, and also, also, like, you know, like, I knew some of these questions that, that you were going to ask ahead of time, Amy, and uh, for uh, this one about what we can learn from romance, I, I actually agreed with Sarah as well. I, I had internal conflict as uh one of the big things you can really take from romance because uh, a lot of, you know, like that's the story is, Mm -hmm. is the stuff that's going on in the character and turn it into a page turner without a lot of external, you know, there's always some external stuff happening in a romance, but, but you're not turning the pages because of that external stuff. You're turning the pages because of, that that internal conflict that's going on within the characters and and them you know trying to navigate and get to that happy ending and uh, romance does that just so well uh, 
you know, a lot, a lot of times like I'll, I'll hear, uh, in workshop that, uh, as a critique is like, oh, they're stuck in their heads. Like, you know, this story's not going anywhere because they're stuck in their heads. Well, romance writers are able to take being stuck in your heads and turn it into something that you're staying up late trying to find out, you know, what's, what's going to happen. So, uh, I would definitely say like romance is the place to, um, really learn how, how to do that, uh, effectively. Yeah. And I think mine goes along with that. It's the tension that goes along with the character's interior thoughts and the author withholding from the character what it is they most want. And that tension, like you have to know what the character wants, which is that interior that you're talking about. But then the romance writers know how to withhold that and create the tension of when and how are they going to get what they want. Um, and I think that is, they just, the romance writers do such a great job of that for me um, that I think that's what. Yeah. And to make it feel so authentic. Too. Yeah, like like it's just feels very real and mm-hmm. and not like you know just mm-hmm. saying you know saying that they want this and they can't get it right. It, it really feels yeah. Now it's time for book recommendations. What are some of your favorite romance novels that you want to share with the world that you know maybe other writers could read these and pick up some of what we've been talking about? Well, I'll, I'll go first. Um, just because uh, I don't know much about the genre, but I have my guilty pleasure, and I mentioned it earlier, is the the Bridget Jones's Diary. I've actually read it a couple times. Uh, it's not... Uh, it, it is, like, for all the reasons that I, I just mentioned, I just love the, the conflict uh, in the character Bridget Jones. Mm-hmm. And, and I also just love the little structure of her diary entries is just a really fun uh, way to go about it. I love Bridget Jones. Um, I will go next because like Robert, I don't have many, but I also asked my friend, Lily, who is a huge romance reader and a romance writer for Simrex, so she gave me a few. Um, and this is boring, but Sense of Sensibility is one of my favorite books of all time. And it's my favorite Jane Austen, mainly because I think it's just so subtle and so funny. And the humor just, um, has, is, continues to be funny in a contemporary way. And I read it, I reread it last year for the first time in a long time. And I was just cackling to myself. Um, and I also think if you haven't read Jane Austen, it's a really good one to start with because it's pretty, um easy to follow and just and super interesting but my friend lily suggested if this is okay for me to do um i know nothing about these books sorry if no if y'all don't like them <laughs> how to fake it in hollywood by ava wilder anyone heard of it no <laughs> okay. um oh the soulmate equation by christina lauren oh i do like which that is one a, yeah I which is a back there <laughs> that's a dual author right yeah yeah, yeah. two authors and then the third was Beach Read by Emily Henry. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, for- I forgot to bring in Emily Henry. I love well, her Well, there books. you go. The one yeah. who hasn't read it suggests it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I like about Emily Henry is um, her romance novels somehow always connect back to books or writing mm-hmm. or publishing. So it's also like it's a very, uh, you know, personal thing mm-hmm. for me that I can. I, I like books like that where, you know, they talk about publishing. Sarah, did you want to go next? I do. I, yes. Yeah. I'm sure you're surprised. I have, <laughs> I have some recommendations. Um, I tend to follow authors. <laughs> I find authors I like, and then I kind of read everything they've ever written um, because okay. I have very particular tastes. So I will, uh, I brought two today to talk about. Um, first of all, I have to talk about KJ Charles, who is the author who brought me back to reading original romance at all. Um, she's absolutely wonderful. She writes historical romance. Um, and I I think the thing that that I love so much about her work is that her plots are so good and so exciting. She always has those high stakes um, that I talked about. And uh, as you know, I, I'm not a historical expert, but the historical side of it is so well-researched and so 
real as well. So I'm going to recommend two books from her. Uh, one is called A Seditious Affair, um, which is a story that takes place in early 1800s London. And it manages to be very, very steamy, but also center class and political differences um, between the main characters and also the side characters. Mm. And it's such just a brilliant combination of elements because you're very invested in this relationship, but you're also learning about the politics of the time, which were very unsettled. And these class differences and how can these characters possibly overcome all of those things. In addition, I primarily read queer romance. So you also have, you know, these two men in a time that is not necessarily easy for them to live in. So on top of everything else, you know, they're navigating this and and their particular social scene. And she just brings that to life so beautifully. Couldn't recommend it more. Um, the second one I'll recommend from her is called The Magpie Lord, which is the first of a trilogy. Um, it's a She describes it as a Victorian Gothic fantasy trilogy. And in this one, I just love the world building. Um, these books really could stand on their own as fantasy novels, but they do center the romance. So they are more you know romance novels than fantasy novels. They really dip into both sides. And so you come out of it just in addition to feeling, you know, the way you feel about these two characters who also explore class in a different way. Um, but you're also just dying to see more of this magic, this particular magic system that she has built and, and where's that going to go? So those two for sure. And then the other author I'll mention is Alexis Hall, who, as far as I know, has no relation to me. <laughs> um, uh, and he actually <laughs> uh, found more success recently with boyfriend material, but I've been reading him for a while and I'm actually going to yeah. recommend one of his older works, um, which is called For Real. Uh, if you would like a good representation of a BDSM relationship, this one is really good. It's really well well researched, and I think it really kind of hits the tone of um, of someone who understands what that kind of relationship is about. For me, the story is great because I don't always like trope subversions. I sometimes I I can feel like they're not executed very well, but this story features an older submissive and a younger dominant man, and it completely stole my heart. It's just there's the kink and the age gap are both really explored wonderfully. And it explores themes that I really love, which are the deep trust and intimacy growing between the characters throughout the story. And I also just love Alexis Hall's writing. I think that he is a beautiful writer um, and would recommend all of his work, but particularly that one is my favorite. And I will end myself there and I could keep going. Well, I, some of yours connect with some of mine. I also love queer romance and I don't have them with me, but I, um, there were two and I don't know why they, except I like politics too. Um, red, white and Royal blue yes. by Casey McQuiston. Okay. Just I, I forgot fantastic. all about that. And I, for two years, people have been telling me to read that. And I yeah. haven't read it yet. Michael, read, it. read that book. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But also the other one that I believe I told you to read is playing the palace by Paul Rudnick. And that one is um, just a great rom-com about <laughs> this guy who has, like, he ends up meeting a prince, one of the English princes, not like the actual. Sure. Not spare. No, not spare. <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> not Prince or uh, Harry or William, but, you know, a fictional British prince <clears throat> and in New York who is like, they're at the UN um, and he has no idea who he's just met, but he ends up falling in love with him and then has some really hilarious uh, interactions with with their with each other's families. And it's just charming and hilarious. Um, great rom-com. Mm -hmm. um, the other kind that I like, I do like historical romance. So it should come as no surprise to anyone that I love Beverly Jenkins. Um, I read her pretty religiously. Uh, at this point, these are some of her, a couple of her newer ones. Um, they take place in, in the West during Reconstruction. And mm. um, again, very well-researched historical romance novels that just um, really shine a light on a time period that otherwise we don't really hear about mm -hmm. um, in a positive way. I mentioned The Wedding Date by Jasmine Guillory. Really anything by her, I get her books as soon as they come out because of that one. Um, I also have a Christina Lauren, the unhoneymooners, which I think it doesn't say that it is um, 
a contemporary retelling of Pride and Prejudice, but I felt like oh. there were um, like undertones of that Elizabeth Darcy relationship okay. that I really enjoyed. Love the um, cover. Yeah, well, you know, the tropical vacation, so mm. you can't go wrong with that either. And then the other author that I really enjoy um, is Sonali Dev. And she came to the novel writing conference uh, partially because, well, I like her book so much and I wanted to learn from her. Um, but this one is, I think, the third or fourth in in a series, also Jane Austen retellings. But this was Incense and Sensibility, and um, it features a, a guy who wants to – he's running for governor of California. So, again – that political thing. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, a lot of the Jasmine, the Jasmine Guillory books have some political <laughs> um, connections too. I don't know why. I don't know why that is. But um, in this one, the gubernatorial candidate falls in love with a with a yoga instructor, mm. um, and his family's not too keen on it because they have been, you know, encouraging him to maintain this very serious. Um, uh, well, he's supposed to be marrying somebody else, but he's supposed to be maintaining this very serious um, demeanor and, um, you know, yoga mm -hmm. doesn't really fit into that. But, um, yeah, Sonali Dev, too. All kinds of good recommendations. There are so many. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, there yeah. are. <laughs> um, we'll put the whole list in the show notes for this episode so that you, um, you all can find them easily. I know there are some that I'm going to pick up because I haven't read them. And of course, I need more books. My TBR <laughs> stack is, you know, only a few tables big at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks, everyone. Thanks for having me. Good conversation. All right, for this episode's writing prompt, even if you don't typically write romance, write a tension-filled romantic scene between two characters in your work in progress. It doesn't have to be a scene that you anticipate will make it into the final draft, but use it to explore their personalities in a different way and to practice writing tension-filled thoughts and dialogue. Explore that interiority we were talking about. Thanks for listening to Writer's Digest Presents. Be sure to join us next month when we'll be talking about our first book club pick of 2023. In the meantime, you can always find us at writersdigest.com and on social media at Writer's Digest. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>